Welcome to Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the psychological challenges that many successful women entrepreneurs face while building their businesses and how they have overcome them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and I'm very excited to welcome today Eliza Van Court. Welcome, Eliza. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm going to start by telling um, our audience a bit about you, which is kind of hard to make it into one space because it's incredible. Eliza Van Court is the best-selling author of A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space and an in-demand speaker and consultant on women's issues and DEI. The founder of the Actors Workshop of Ithaca, she is also a Cookhouse Fellow at Cornell University, an advisory member of the Performing Arts for Social Change, and a diversity crew partner and member of Govern for America's League of Innovators. Eliza, you had an inspiring and challenging childhood. Would you share with your list, our listeners a bit about your growing up? Sure. Um, so I had a pretty stable and happy upbringing. And by all accounts, my mother was actually one of the best mothers anyone had ever met. My aunt talks about it all the time. But when I was four and a half, my mother became paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. And after that, my world was just completely upended. And I ended up getting taken by her three times illegally across Mm -hmm. the country. Uh, One of the times I hitchhiked across the country by truck um, from truck stop to truck stop. So by the Mm -hmm. time I hit kindergarten, I was a pretty terrified little girl who spent, had gotten into a headspace where I was conflating invisibility with safety really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how, how did you get to your journey of becoming an author? Well, that's a tough one. It was, it was quite a journey. Um, Well, I think at first it had to do with me learning how to get out of that mind space of like, I'm going to hide from the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then right when I was kind of feeling like I was getting my bearings in 2013, I was riding my bike, sounds unrelated, I swear it's not. And I was hit in the head by someone's car while Mm -hmm. I was riding my bike. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were texting and driving. Don't do that. Um, And I got a subdural hematoma and a bilateral brain injury. And I lost a lot of my ability to remember things in the short term. And also my communication was severely compromised. And the Mm -hmm. process of building that back up, I was forced to actually break down the HTML of communication. Mm -hmm. And afterwards I thought, wow, I I actually understand the mechanics of this because before I was intuitive in my communication and I had to become more mindful. So I started giving talks and the final kind of push for the book was that women would follow me to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This sounds strange, Mm -hmm. but women Mm -hmm. will understand this. And they would kind of sidle up to me in the bathroom and they'd say, I got to ask you a question I didn't want to ask in Mm -hmm. Q&A. And suddenly I realized it was the same questions Mm -hmm. all over the country, all Mm -hmm. over the world, really. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, you know, what if I took the knowledge that I learned during my recovery and all of these questions that I've been answering and I brought them out of the darkness of the bathroom and into the sunlight? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and I actually almost called the, the book Conversations in the Bathroom, but it was really my way of scaling what I had learned because I hopefully you don't need to be you know hit by a car to be able to grow and learn and change. You can also read about others' experiences. And I guess part of the communication was also given um, your sort of upbringing and all the, the stuff with your mom being paranoid, that communication was a key to being heard too in the world in a way that maybe it was hard for your mom to be heard, but you were able to be heard by being a good communicator. For sure. And also, I think that when you're in a situation that is so dangerous, you have to learn to read people really quickly sure. and figure out if they're safe, if they're not safe, will they help you? Mm -hmm. uh, will they help you stay safe? Do, and so I think that was the beginning of me developing a very acute and intuitive uh, perspective on communication that maybe I wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. And that kind of brings me to my next question, which is for a lot of people having a brain injury in her um, language wiped out would have been just devastating, hard to get up from. Mm -hmm. How was that not the case for you? I mean, I'm sure it was difficult, but how were you right. able to, to, to get up from that? Well, I think when you have been knocked down many times, you sort of have to develop a different way of looking at things when that happens. And for me, I had had a lot of really unfortunate things happen beyond after my mother, um, after she was kind of out of the picture. And I had learned that, you know, when you get back, when you get down, you've got to learn from it and get back up again. And that was mm -hmm. sort of my perspective on life is every time you're flat on your face, you have a growth opportunity. So I remember my friend Kim Munson Burke, she lets me use her name. She's an MSW and she came to my house and she said, you know, Eliza, how are you doing? And I said, well, I'm okay, but everybody else is acting so strangely. And mm -hmm. I, and she said, they're not, you're acting strangely. You are really compromised and people don't know what to do. And that's what you're picking up on. And in that moment, I really was devastated. I thought, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so compromised that I don't know I am. Mm. And my nightmare had been to be trapped in my head and not know that I was not actually being lucid or making sense like my mother. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I thought, oh wow, it happened <laughs> just mm -hmm. differently than I had suspected. But then I thought, you know, I've been through, through a lot, I've been through worse. And I can, and I'm just going to have to attack it like I've attacked everything else, which is, you know, how do I get through this? How do I learn from it? And how do I grow? So our listeners kind of wanting to pick up a little bit on how did you, what are some of the concrete ways that you were able to overcome it? I mean, certainly you have a fantastic sense of humor, um, <laughs> which is, which is great in, in difficult situations. What other concrete ways in all sort of different little and big traumas or difficult situations you've had, how did you get over those? I think I got really good at pinpointing who in my life could be a part of my community. Mm -hmm. And I had a group of women who just sort of scooped me up when I was little and helped me. And often I'll hear people when they interview me say, wow, you're amazing. You just did this by your bootstraps. And I always say, you know, that sentence, the bootstrap was actually started because it's impossible to put shoes on with just bootstraps. 
Mm-hmm. There's actually an ironic phrase mm-hmm. that we can now come to use, but it's very accurate. You can't really do it alone. And mm-hmm. I had women who really just stepped in for me from the time I was six years old. Mm-hmm. And by the time I had a my head injury, I had developed a community that was so strong that I did, my ex-husband did not cook a meal for six weeks because mm-hmm. we had a meal rotation and people were just coming over and bringing meals. Mm-hmm. So I've been really fortunate. And I think one of the things I always tell people is, you know, be kind, mm-hmm. help people whenever you can, make expand your community from a place of abundance and not scarcity. And one day, you know, maybe something will happen where you need that help and people will be there for you. And as a six-year-old, you were open to the women that were um, reaching out to you because how, how did that work? Well, I don't know that I was open so much as they were wonderful. <laughs> okay, so they um, made it easy to be, to, to lean on them. Yeah. My big sister was the head of the big sister, big brother program in my hometown. And she still recalls coming to my house and she was a, from a family where when things were hard, they would do. So they'd mm-hmm. go out and they'd go do a thing and they'd, they'd do this thing. So she sat down, she had all these ideas of what she was going to do with me. And she sat down with me and she said, let's do this or that or go hiking. And, and I had just been across the country by truck, mm-hmm. you know, and picked up by the police. And mm-hmm. the last thing I wanted to do was leave my house. No mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And she sensed that immediately and got down on the floor with me. And I said, you know, I think I just want to color. Mm-hmm. And she colored with me for two hours. And mm-hmm. I think that was the beginning of my understanding of, you know, meet people where they are. Mm-hmm. Meet mm-hmm. people, even if you have to get down on the floor with them and color for two hours, that's how you change a life. It's just meeting people how they, where they are. And you were able to say, I just need to cover color. Sorry, I just need to color. Yeah. Well, I think I said, I just want to color, which is a little different because I think if she'd said, no, come on, let's do this thing. I would have done it. I, but I, I would have been miserable. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and I mm-hmm. think me just saying, I want this. And she's saying, I value your want. Right. was really special for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you ever felt like you didn't fit in? Always when I was younger. Always. Always. Okay. Talk to me a little <laughs> bit about that. Well, you know, I remember going to um, kindergarten and I remember so distinctly this one day, this little girl had a tantrum because her she just started bursting. She opened her lunchbox and she started crying. Mm-hmm. And I thought someone had died and there was a, like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I said, what's wrong? And she said, I didn't get what I wanted in my lunch. And I remember thinking, is this something people get upset about? Mm-hmm. Even at that mm-hmm. age, I felt like I was kind of hovering above the other kids and watching them and kind of thinking, well, really, this is because I, I'd gone through so much and the, the things that other kids were concerned about or that bothered them or they were interested in just seemed like a different universe. To me. Say, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and I think that that followed me through high school. And it's interesting since my book came out and I've been doing interviews and I've talked about some of my history, I've had people from high school reach out to me and say, you were always so happy. And you're always so nice to everybody. I had no idea. And mm-hmm. I think I just didn't want to say, well, you know, hey, nice to meet you. My mom kidnapped me three times. Right, like, right, I just right, didn't right. want that to define me. But I always did feel different because of it. 
do you feel like you fit in as an author? Do you feel like you fit in as a teacher? Do you feel um, as, I don't know, as a guest speaker or motivational speaker? I feel like I fit in as a teacher. Um, I think as an author, many authors have imposter syndrome because we mm -hmm. think of authors as these writers who sit around from birth being thinking, I am a writer, you know, right, right, and actually right. my writing got markedly better after my accident. Mm -hmm. So I, and I got much more passionate about it. It was part of how I healed is to write. Mm -hmm. And I've actually had people who study the brain say, well, now they're saying the activities you do while your brain is rewiring can actually be positively affected. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I don't necessarily identify as an author, even though I authored a book. I think right. of myself as someone who loves to write, who had things to say. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of fitting in in the world, you know, when I give talks, I do feel like I fit in because I'm fitting in for the people that are important for me. And those are mm -hmm. the people who need to hear my message. Mm -hmm. And those folks come up to me. I mean, I'm surrounded by people afterwards saying, thank you so much for sharing this. It, I had to hear it. And mm -hmm. to me, that's, that's why I'm there really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, why do you think narrating your life for these people that are there to hear from you is helpful to them? Well, you know, when I first started giving talks on communication, I did not talk about my life at all. Mm -hmm. And I started getting questions in Q&A that were along the lines of, well, of course you can do this. You look like everything's been easy for you and this is no problem. You obviously are someone who's super confident. And I told that to my daughter, who's very wise. Mm -hmm. And she said, mom, they're right. Mm -hmm. You do look like that. Right. And you have to share your story so people understand that you crawled your way out of all of this stuff and none of this was easy or else they won't believe they can do it. Mm -hmm. And I have found that people, almost everyone has, everyone has a story. Mm -hmm. And so hearing that someone else had a story and got through something that was difficult really can inspire people to believe they can do it. And I do believe everyone, every human can claim space with, with the right tools. Mm -hmm. Have you ever felt like you failed? And if so, how were you able to overcome that? Um, yeah, I mean, of course, everybody has failed. I think that I don't dwell on failure that much because mm -hmm. it doesn't really help me. I, I think of it as, okay, so what, what do I want to do differently? Because it's very easy for me to get in a place where I think, oh, I failed. I'm horrible. Right, <laughs> and, right. and, you know, when I wrote my first draft of my book, I wrote it in a little bit more of an academic style. Mm -hmm. And the people advising me said, you lost your voice. Rewrite the whole section, which was a third mm -hmm. of the book. Go mm -hmm. back, say everything out loud. And if you wouldn't say it in a talk, take it out. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty frustrated because I'd spent a lot of time on that. And then I realized, oh, I was trying to do my academic voice, which really mm -hmm. isn't how I wanted to connect with people. Right. And that comes from insecurity in some ways. So that was definitely a failure. Um, but it also made me have to examine why, which was imposter syndrome, insecurity. Right. And then that helped me going forward. So yes, I mean, I felt like I failed a million times, but I think of failure as um, 
it means you took a risk and you tried something and now you're going to learn and grow from the fact that you didn't, it, the outcome wasn't what you originally hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um, how about feeling insecure and inadequate? What have you done to overcome that? Well, you know, I think a lot of people listen to that voice more than is necessary. I really believe that in our society, there are these ideas that we have now that we have to feel completely confident to do something Mm -hmm. and we can't be afraid to do something. And, you know, brave people don't possess insecurity or don't possess fear. Mm -hmm. I think that most people are a little insecure and most people deal with fear. I mean, it's just natural. So the way that I deal with it is I observe it because that's important. I make sure that it's not directing me to do something that's damaging for myself. Mm -hmm. And then if it is, I I tend to ignore it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And just, and I think it's sort of how I talk about uh, public speaking coaching. People say, Mm -hmm. well, what do you do when you're afraid? And I say, well, I, I think, well, my heart's beating. I'm sweating. My throat feels a little tight. I'm thirsty. None of these things will kill me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do the thing anyway, and just sort of say, okay, that's what's ha- happening. And that's how I do it. I sort of go, okay, that's what's happening. But I think for some, I think partly because of my childhood, I've erred on the side of logic, sometimes to a fault, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I fear letting my emotions, you know, reign over me because my mother was like one big ball of emotion. Right, right. And certainly you use this at least with the car, with the texting accident, in the sense that if you had gotten stuck and I can't talk, I can't communicate, then the fear would have overcome you, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And instead, you kind of like to organize your world to have a way forward that gives you something to plan for and look forward to. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, there's a big difference between what we feel and if we do the thing. And I have seen one of the biggest barriers that my students have faced. And I feel like I've lived many lives because I've seen so many students go through the doors of my studio. It's not lack of talent that holds Mm -hmm. people back. It is a lack of trying. Mm. And these are people who are often the best students. And so they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to be Mm -hmm. wrong. Mm -hmm. And that fear of failure cripples them. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And are there ways that you've learned to help these students overcome the crippling fear of failure? Well, I mean, the the way that you teach acting, the best lessons you get are from failing. Mm -hmm. I will say when I was in, when I was a student, I don't really remember when Phil, God rest his soul, amazing teacher, Phil Gushy, would say, oh, Eliza, that was a great exercise. I don't think I recall one time that that happened. Mm. I definitely remember when he he told me I needed to do it differently. And Mm. I would work on a Thursday. We did Tuesday, Thursday classes. If I messed up on a Thursday, I had to wait all the way till Tuesday to try to rectify it. It used to drive me nuts, but Mm. I learned a lot. And so in my class, I always say, I want you to fail. Mm -hmm. Like I want you to fail big. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. You know, I encourage failure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, for you, do the past times that you felt like you didn't do your best, 
move, have given you sort of a different way to look at things going forward? In other words, it didn't allow for you to stop, but kind of gave you ideas of your strength. Well, it's not necessarily that it gave me ideas of my strength. I think it gave me ideas of my weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and it allowed me to say, oh, I'm like, for example, for years, I, I had some mild disassociation from my trauma mm -hmm. that I didn't even realize was mild disassociation. Mm -hmm. And I would um, not make the best choices when I was in that state. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn, you know, I've had severe trauma. So mm -hmm. when I start to feel X, Y, and Z, I know I have to isolate myself, go to my room, meditate, not talk to people until I feel like I'm more in my body. Um, and a lot of my mistakes have come from an outgrowth of my trauma. So it's, for me, it's not necessarily about like, oh, this is my strength. That, that's, that's helpful, but it's also, what are the things that are gonna bring me to my knees? Mm -hmm. And how do I make sure that that doesn't happen? And it also means you have to be comfortable with saying I have weaknesses. Yeah. Oh, so how do you I'm, do that? I'm really good at that. <laughs> and how do you, and how do you teach that? Let's pretend to your kids. Um, Not well, your kids, I, yeah, your students, your kids. I, I have, um, I have a, a plaque that I actually have two of them in my house. One is in my bathroom, in my room, and one is in my kitchen. And it says the life you live is the lesson you teach. Hmm. And I, I don't go around saying, you know, here's a lesson kids, although I probably do that more than my kids want. Um, but it's more like I try to model that. For example, I have very hardcore ADD. It's mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. And since my accident, it's gotten worse. And so I will say to my kids, you know, I need an assistant to work with me or else I'll forget appointments. Mm -hmm. And then recently, actually, I lost my assistant mm -hmm. and, and things fell apart for about a week. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, this is because my system isn't in place. Right. So I, you know, and my student and my kids were like, oh, you know, we had a conversation about that, that it's important to have backups, you know, right. things like that. So, right. you know, I think living the life that you hope that your children or your students will live um, is really the best teacher rather than talking at people. And also de-escalating the negative. And mentoring, it's okay to get help and it's okay to make mistakes. And you just sort of find ways to move forward in a different way going forward. Yeah. I mean, the first day of my acting class, I give out the first assignments and, the, and I say, just so you know, you're all going to be absolutely horrible. You're right. going to be so bad. It's just going to be a bloodbath. And that's fine. Because mm -hmm. if it isn't, that means you didn't dive in and try it and you have no idea what you're doing yet. That's right. why you're here. Right, right. And, and it makes people feel like, phew, and you know, if they, when they come in and they mess up, I'm like, good job. That was a massive failure. And I can tell you really took a risk and it just helps people to get to a place where they, where they do that more. Eliza, thank you so much. You were very inspirational and I appreciate so much your time and I can't wait to hear and learn more about you. Well, I am so appreciative of the work that you're doing. And I thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really special. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit how they can learn more about you? Sure. Yeah. You can go to my website, which is elizavancourt.com. There is no U in court. So that's E-L-I-Z-A-V-A-N-C-O-R-T.com. Um, and then you can also reach out to me on social. 
I love it when I am on a podcast and people ask me follow-up questions or they get my book and they ask me questions. So you can find me on LinkedIn and actually on my personal page on Facebook, as long as you tell me where you heard me. So I know you're not a bot, Um, but I love to connect with people. Um, It's, it's really fun kind of hearing people's impressions after I've done this stuff. And I just love connection in general. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I appreciate your time again. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.